Hey there, and welcome to the Rock Reavers podcast. Here we are all about believing and proclaiming the word. We're totally given to true worship and obedient in taking the gospel to the nations through missions. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you'll be blessed by this message. Amen and amen. Praise God, church. Buana asifiwe. You may have your seats. As long as you promise you will read the word with me. So that's a good trade-off. I am uh, happy to be in the house of the Lord today as I wait for Ruth 1. We are still in Ruth chapter 1. I, I thank God for, for marriage. Thank God for my wife and for the privilege of doing ministry together. I know for a fact that one of the graces that we have in this house is the grace for marriage by the number of, of weddings that we are anticipating. So last Saturday, I took one of my friends, Pastor Kev, to pay dowry. So Pastor Kev is changed. His uh, status is not the same again. Yeah, and uh, one of the things that I observed is Pastor Kevin is a true Luopian because his family, people had names like Henry Kissinger, Kabaka Mutesa Owino. I was like, hey, this is royalty. So when you're with Pastor Kev, you are with true and ultimate royalty. I thank God for my wife also. Let me tell you a story about my wife, then I go into the word. It was my birthday last month, and I thank God for all of you who celebrated me. And uh, my wife decided, you know me, I'm from Western, there's a way we eat. And my wife is from Central, there's a way they eat. So my wife decided that on that day she was going to cook for me breakfast (laughs) for a king. So she cooked for me breakfast. And it was wonderful breakfast. And I thank God for that. You guys are waiting for, for me to hate on her. No, there's nothing wrong. It's actually a good testimony. It was wonderful breakfast. <laughs> and I thank God for that breakfast. So uh, it's amazing. Get women from Moranga and Nakuru. And you will get good breakfast. Now, to the word of God for today. We are still in the book of Ruth. So please bear with me. If I look like I am not in a hurry, I am being led by the Spirit of God in the areas that we need to focus on. Can we go back to one? Let's go back to one. I'm not done with the first part of the book of Ruth. Okay. Oh, I saw 11. Sorry, my eyes have issues. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn. Decay. <laughs> Those are not my words. Sojourn. You know my version. My version is NIV. That one is for Pastor Doc. Please, can I get it in the NIV? Uh, uh, Prophet Decay. Thank you. <laughs> so where is the sojourn in this chapter? Uh, a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to sojourn or live for a while in the hill country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Next. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died the tragedy 
of uh, leaving Bethlehem to go to Moab as we covered last week. And she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth, after they had lived there for about 10 years. There's a comma. After they had lived there for about 10 years, both Marlon and Kilion, the sons also died. Tragedy, yeah? And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Can you imagine the pain of losing three men in her family? When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food. Notice that they had gone to Moab to look for food. That then God came to the aid of his people in Bethlehem by providing food. Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. Next. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would lead them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown kindness to me and to your dead husbands. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. Notice there were more about women, but they wanted to go back with her to her people. Next. But Naomi said, return home my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons? Reasonable argument. Who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, this is hope to find a husband. Even if I had a husband tonight and gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Naomi doesn't know that these things are happening in the 21st century. Mabenten wako. Who waits? Would you remain unmarried for them? No. My daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone against me. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Her people and her gods. Remember I told you that Moab had gods, but the God of Israel was in Bethlehem in Judea. And the mistake of Elimelech was moving from the place of God's provision to the place that was governed by gods, aka demons. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Gloria Muliro, yeah? Your people will be my people, and your God shall be my God. Where you die, my goodness, I don't think your wife has ever told you that, Pastor Doc. I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me. Imagine, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me, we'll deal with that next week. There's a place I want to go. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. 
Next. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. Now when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred. The whole town was curious because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Can this be Naomi? Now notice that the women were stirred not because of their beauty or not because of their wealth that they came with from Moab, but because of how life had dealt a hard hand upon them. Okay, I was wondering. Okay, still don't call me Naomi. She says, call me Mara. Let me repeat. Don't call me Naomi. She told them, call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Now, our major focus for today will be Ruth chapter 1 verse 20, but I feel led by God to track back to chapter 1 so that we can handle a few things before we come to this point of Mara, the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Now, I'd like us to, to notice and acknowledge that uh, the desire for Elimelech to look for bread in Moab was a noble desire. You know, in hindsight, it's, it is easy for me to judge him and say that he should not have left Bethlehem to go to Moab. But the desire for Elimelech to look for bread was a noble desire. It is something that we do every day. I know there are many of you who have applied for green cards. You have been denied 20 times. But because you want to go to the land of the brave and the home of the free, you still are applying. And I don't think you're going there because of their faith. You're going there because deep down, every man has a desire to live a good life. Every man has a desire for bread. The desire for Elimelech to go and provide for his family was a noble desire. Now for us who are believers who are stayed in Bethlehem in Judea, how are we supposed to approach this desire? How are we supposed to approach this need of bread? Because bread is a legitimate need for people, both believers and non-believers. Now I'd like to propose to you today, Rivers Church, that God is interested in providing bread for you. As I told you last week, God is concerned about your bread. When he says he clothes the lilies with much splendor, he's talking about bread. He's not talking about purpose. When he says he cares for the sparrow, he's talking about bread. When he says, when will my son ask for fish and I give him snake, he's talking about bread. So God has pronounced himself concerning your bread. God has pronounced himself concerning your day-to-day -day affairs. God has pronounced himself concerning your rent. God has pronounced himself concerning your school fees. It is not something that God desires or plans to ignore. It is something that is at the center of the things that he thinks about when he thinks about you. Now the challenge is, for a believer we have to go about looking for bread the Bethlehem kind of way, the God kind of way. The problem is sometimes is we are attracted to the mirage of Moab, as I told you last week. 
the mirage of Moab is, it is a fake illusion of bread that is not bread. It is a fake optical illusion of water that is not water. You have to drive to a dry land so that you can experience this phenomena of a mirage. You are thirsty and it looks to you like there is an oasis one kilometer away from you. And you drive to that oasis, but the more you drive, the farther you drive away from where the bread actually is. The mirage of Moab is an illusion and every day it flashes itself in front of your eyes. Now it's interesting that uh, sometimes we look at non-believers, we look at men who get their wealth in wickedness and we admire them. That is the mirage of Moab. You meet people who are in wash-wash and you admire them. That is the mirage of Moab. I follow politics keenly and one of the things that uh, that Matiangi, the CS for Interior Affairs, proclaimed tragically, is that 40%, according to intelligence, 40% of the leaders that are coming in in these general elections are going to be people who are participating in illegal activities. And most of the time you meet these Moabites, you were with them in class two years ago, and they are driving their ML 350, like your senior pastor. And you're like, two years? And the math doesn't make sense for you. And they look well. They are dressed like they have acres of land. And you know, they give you 5K to buy something good for your girlfriend or for your wife. <laughs> and you have worked all your life. You have served God faithfully. You have been given tenders and you refused to bribe because you're a believer. And you look at those who have followed the ways of Moab and you wonder, oh God, is it worth it to stay in Bethlehem when there is drought? Can I just venture out to Moab and get the wealth of Moab? After all, you said the wealth of the wicked belongs to the righteous. You start weaponizing the scriptures to fit your situation. God has pronounced himself concerning your bread. God has pronounced himself concerning your bread. God has pronounced himself concerning your day-to-day -day bread. Now look at, at Proverbs. There is a warning in Proverbs chapter 1, and I've preached about it before. And the warning is, my son, do not follow those who go after ill-gotten wealth. Do not follow those who go after... Wash, wash. Do not follow those who go after bread that God has not blessed. Because the Bible says that they are like a man setting a trap in broad daylight. It says they are those that set a trap for their neighbor, but they waylay only themselves. Imagine you put a trap. I don't know whether you have interacted with a trap. To trap a deer. Okay, those ones are American examples. To trap a or to capture quails. <laughs> Let me use something that people know. I know those quail investors are here. To capture quails so that you can come and sell their eggs for 95 bob in Nairobi. Yeah? So you put a trap and then at night you end up being the one that is trapped by the trap that you put. The Bible says that those who go after the wealth of Moab are like men who put a trap and waylay only themselves. 
You see, wealth has two aspects. Bread has two aspects. Quantity and quality. God is the one who gives bread quality. 50 bob that is given to you by God will be more beneficial than 50 million that is earned the Moabite way. 50 bob given to you by God is more beneficial than 50 million that is earned the Moabite way. Now the Bible says in, uh, in uh, Psalms 37 that the little of the righteous, it's 37 verse, I think 17, is more than the plenty of the wicked. In my life as a minister of the gospel, I have seen what ill-gotten wealth can do to a man. A man who goes after ill-gotten wealth is like one who is looking for honey. And you know most of the time the justification is your children. I need to feed my children. Judah needs to go to St. Andrew's story. So I have to take this deal because it is my work to take my children to the best schools. So you're like a man who's looking for honey for your child because securing the future of your children is like looking for honey for your child. But then you go and grab the whole what is the thing where bees live? Beehive. And you go and give it to Judah. Imagine you want to give Judah honey and instead you go and grab a beehive with a queen bee and there are a thousand warrior ants and you go and dump it in his bedroom and lock and say, Judah, have the honey. In the morning you will have a child who is not there. That is the folly of ill-gotten wealth. If you take wealth, though it comes in plenty when ill-gotten, it comes with a curse. Now Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18, God pronounces himself as the one that gives you the ability to make wealth. God is able to give you the ability to make wealth that will not be like a hornet's net to your children. God is able to give you the ability to find bread in Bethlehem in Judea that will not harm your generations that are to come. God has pronounced himself concerning your bread. And today I'm praying for the people of Rivers Church that we shall be a different generation. That when we walk out into the marketplace, we shall go with the power of God. We shall not trust in chariots. We shall not trust in the schemes of men. We shall not participate in the ways of Moab. But we shall trust in the name of the Lord. We shall know that the blessing of God that maketh ever rich is upon those who choose to stay in Bethlehem. And we shall choose to use the ways of God to procure bread for our children. Sometimes the pursuit of bread in Moab causes more harm than it does more good for those who God has called to depend on you. I can imagine that when Elimelech was leaving Bethlehem, he had not seen his sons dying. If someone opened his eyes and he saw Marlon and Kilon dying, he would have stayed in Bethlehem. Today, God is opening your eyes to the scriptures and I pronounce to you as a servant of God, when you pursue ill-gotten wealth, you are bringing death to your household. You are bringing destruction to your children. That inheritance will not help them. It will not add value to their lives. It will destroy them. So God has pronounced himself concerning your bread. And today as we finish, 
at some point we shall pray for this power. Some of you have never experienced it. We shall pray that by the Holy Spirit, the power to make wealth shall come upon you so that you shall not be attracted to the ways of Moab. So that anytime you think about following the Moabite way, you shall remember the productivity that God can give. You shall remember that God by the Spirit was the one who showed Peter where the fish are. You shall remember that when the hand of God was upon Solomon, the Bible says that silver was like dust and gold was as nothing because God is able to make that that you pursue with your own life like dust. That that God gives is more valuable. That that God gives is more precious. That that God gives adds value. That that you get from Moab brings nothing but death. So Psalm 37 encourages us not to fret. Do not fret when evil men prosper in their ways. When wash wash men prosper in their ways. When you see them vying for MP. Because the word of God says like green grass they will soon wither. Like chaff they will soon wash away. Trust in the Lord. Do good. Dwell in the land. Enjoy safe pasture. Commit your desires to the Lord. And he shall make all your plans succeed. He says he shall make your righteousness shine like the dawn and the justice of your cause. All those times that you have suffered because of righteousness, God shall make the justice of your cause shine like the noonday sun. Because God knows how to get bread for those who choose to trust in him. Amen? Amen. And now I'd like us to deal with, uh, with Mara. Then we shall go to a time of prayer. I'd like us to deal with Mara. Mara. So give me Ruth 120. Ruth 120. Tw 20, 20 is 20. Ruth 120. So, Naomi. Naomi has returned back to Bethlehem in Judea. Naomi has returned in a state that is much worse than in the state that she left. Naomi left Bethlehem in Judea with her husband and with two sons. She returns to Bethlehem after about 10 years in Moab with no husband and no sons. And the people can see that Naomi has gone through a difficult time. And when they come to her and they call her Naomi, Naomi responds by saying, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. And the Hebrew meaning of the word Mara is, the Almighty has made my life very bitter. The Lord has dealt a hard hand upon me. The Lord has dealt a hard hand upon me. Now, when you look at the story like that of Elimelech and Naomi, you wonder whether God likes playing ping pong with our lives. Can I use ping, ping pong is table tennis. <laughs> ping pong. I've been watching a lot of American cartoons courtesy of my daughter. Sometimes it looks like the Lord is playing table tennis with your life. I don't know whether there are people here who are on Netflix. So if you're on Netflix, there is a movie that is called The Hunt. It's a very recent movie. Let me, let me ask you. I know some of you are too spiritual for Netflix. You only watch Nini uh, Days of Elijah. But I give you permission to go and watch Netflix and watch a movie. There's a movie called The Hunt. 
Now, in this movie, in this movie, there are some rich people. Let me spoil the, the movie for you. There are rich people who come together. And so they go and pick commoners in America. So they go and someone is eating chipo in a kibandaski. They are kidnapped. Another person is there, you know, riding their border border there, kidnapped. You know, commoners kabisa. Others are in a UDA rally, bottom up, kidnapped. See? You know, others are listening to Wajakoya talking about bang, kidnapped. So they kidnap commoners. Then they take them to a field. Now what happens is rich men starting start hunting those commoners for for sport. So they're given weapons and they're given time to run. Then rich people who cannot be seen are hunting the commoners for for sport. A story is told that in the days of the apostles that the emperor Nero would use the bodies of Christians to light his parties. So when, when he was gathering and they were having their parties as Romans, the bodies of Christians would be the light that would be used to, to light his parties, playing around with people's lives. That's what Nero was doing. Sometimes when you hear stories about, um, I, used to, I remember the Delamere story of men who would go into the farm and they would go and be hunted like rabbits. You think of such situations where the lives of men are being played around with for sport. Sometimes when you read a story like this, you wonder whether God likes playing around with people's lives for sport because of the tragedy and the pain. And I am sure from the statement that Naomi made in Ruth chapter 1 verse 20, she had this question in her heart. Where was God when Elimelech died? And where was God when Marlon and Kilon died? That's why she says the Lord has dealt with me very bitterly. Because we are children of Israel, yet he allowed my husband, not just my husband, not just my firstborn son, but my husband and both my sons to die. Where was God when my family died? Let me pronounce to you today that uh, God does not play ping pong with your lives. God, God is sovereign. And part of the sovereign creation of you is to give you the ability to choose to follow him. God has given you the ability to choose to stay in Bethlehem. And God will not forcefully stop you from leaving Bethlehem to go to Moab. That's why in Genesis chapter 1, he tells Adam and Eve there is a tree at the center of the garden. Because God wanted the sovereign beings that he had created to choose God. And he says, if you eat of that tree, you shall gain the knowledge of good and evil and you shall surely die. Basically, God was telling them, choose me. Do not choose evil. It is part of being made in the image and likeness of God. And there are many places in our lives that we did not choose God. Let's have an honest conversation. And we paid the price for it. There are many places that you did not choose the direction that God showed you and you have paid the price for it. There's a time you had uh, uh, an Ezekiel, a man of God, and a Kevo. Okay, this Kevo is a, this Kevo is a preacher. And you chose Kevo, the cool guy over the Ezekiel. And you have had a miserable marriage. And it looks to you like God has dealt a hard hand to you. God is not in the business of playing ping pong with our lives. 
God cares. God cares for you. God cares for your life. But God wants you to choose to follow him. Some of the things that you have gone through in your life can be avoided if you choose to stay in Bethlehem in Judea. If you choose to heed the warning that God gives you at every juncture, at every crossroad of your life. Some of the things that happened, happened because God has set a rule of cause and effect. If you choose not God, you shall surely die. So there are many of us gathered here that at many places in your life, at many crossroads, you did not choose God. You did not choose God and you paid the price for it. And you paid a very heavy price for it. And you have carried it in your heart. And you have called yourself Mara because you believe that the Lord has dealt a hard hand upon you. Now there are some of you who have experienced some pain, not because of what you have done, but because at that point you were living in an evil world and evil happened to you and you wonder, where was God when this evil happened to me? So there are those who it is by choice, cause and effect. But there are many of us who have experienced so much pain, not because of what we have done, but because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that has an enemy, that has the devil, that is roaring around, that is looking to devour and destroy people. Now today, majorly, majorly, as I was preparing, God has has sent me to speak to those who have a heavy heart, to those who are Mara, to those who in your private life you say, do not call me Jane, call me Mara, because the Lord has dealt a heavy hand upon my life. The Spirit of God has shed light in my heart that there are many here who have unfinished business with God. And the more you carry this pain, the more of your time that is supposed to be used purposely that is being wasted. There are many who you have carried a pain in your heart because of the death of a loved one. And you ask yourself, where was God when my loved one died? There are many here who you actually made the right decision for marriage and you're like, God, I followed you. Where was God when my marriage went to the dogs? There are many here who were big givers. You used to give 50%, not even 10%. And your business failed and died and tanked and you sank into depression. And you're asking yourself, where was God when my business failed? And there are many here who have served God with their lives and your children have gone awry or wayward and have taken a route that is apart from God. And you're asking yourself, where was God when my children detoured as I was serving him? So I'd like to invite us to stand for a time of prayer because I believe that God has sent me today majorly to deal with Mara. The Spirit of God has revealed in my heart that there is a pain that men carry that God wants to work on today. And as I stand here, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to shed that light to that pain today because I know that you want to do business with your people, to take care of the Mara. God, God does not want to play ping pong or chess with your life. God cares. And God is willing to answer that question today by the Spirit of God and to deal with that pain and to deal with that depression and to deal with that hard hand that you feel is upon you because at some point the question was where were you God when Marlon, when Kilon, 
when Elimelech died. Yet I am a child of God. So I'd like you to just lift up your voice to God and pray. And, and I pray that God shall shed light upon that area in your life. And just say, God, I have carried this pain. I have carried this pain for two years. I have carried this pain for 10 years. I have carried this pain for 50 years. Holy Spirit, I invite you to shed light into that pain. To shed light into the areas of Mara in the lives of your children. So that on this day, that pain shall be dealt with. That area shall be dealt with. Oh, Holy Spirit, I invite you. Do your thing. I'd like you to just talk to God about that. Talk to God about it. I know that the Spirit of God has shed light in that area of your life where you have always wondered, where was God when this was happening to me? Hallelujah. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for you are the comforter and the healer. We thank you for, Lord, we know that amongst us there are those who have carried that question, where was God? Where was God when this happened to me? Where was God when my child died? Where was God when I was molested as a child? Where was God when I suffered in pain? Where was God when my marriage failed? Father, I thank you for, I know that today you want to supernaturally bring healing to your children. Healing that would have taken years of counseling. Today, by the power of the Spirit, Lord, I ask that may you break every pain, break every pain, heal every pain that has been holding us back, O oh God. Reset our lives so that our lives shall not be wasted by the pain of the things that you have experienced. But Father, miraculously by your hand, we shall able to lift up our heads and do that that you have called us to do. David proclaims that thou, O Lord, are his shield. You are his glory. You are the lifter of our heads. And Lord, I know that there are heads that have been cast down by gloom. There are men and women here that have renounced their names and have picked up Mara because of pain. Lord, let this be the day that you lift up the countenance of your children. Let this be the day that you lift up the countenance of your children. In the name of Jesus. Let me ask anyone who needs to be prayed for concerning a pain that you have carried to just come. I want to pray with you as I finish. And I want to invite the church if you're okay, if God has healed you and restored you, just pray with me for that one or two people in the sanctuary that God wants to do business with today. Are you here? And there is something you have carried in your heart against God. And you are saying, where was God when this happened to me? God wants to answer you. God wants to heal you. God wants to begin the journey of restoring you today. So are you here? And just come to the front. I'll give you a, a minute or two to just come so that I may pray with you so that as your pastors, we may lay our hands upon you because it's a pertinent question. Just come. Don't be afraid to come. God wants to do business with you. If you have that question in your spirit, oh God, where were you? 
Oh God, where were you? Today, Lord, I am coming to you. I am garnering and garnering the boldness to look at God and ask, where were you? Oh God, when life dealt a hard hand upon me. For the rest, come on, just pray. Pray, pray, pray. Pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for us. The Spirit of God is here and he's dealing with us people. Just pray. Just pray. Just lift up your voice and pray. And pray for the ministration of the Holy Spirit. Just pray in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit of God, we invite you. Thank you for sticking in to the end. We hope you are blessed by this message. Follow us for more of these messages when new episodes drop. And make sure to rate us so that more people can find out about us. Bye-bye.